0: What's good, everyone? Matt here from UK Nets fans with a special bonus episode of BK2UK, the British Brooklyn Nets podcast. I had the absolute honour of sitting down with the Brooklyn Nets courtside reporter, the Yes Network's very own Michael Grady, for about half an hour to discuss his journey from Indiana to Brooklyn, your 2020 2021 Brooklyn Nets, the best spots to visit in Brooklyn, and predictions for this season. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at UKNetsFans and the pod itself on Twitter at BK2UKPod. Make sure to check us out on YouTube by searching UKNetsFans where you'll find all of our previous episodes. And with that out of the way, let's get into it. What's good everyone, Matt here from UKNetsFans and I'm joined by a very special guest indeed. You'll know him, of course, as one of the key pieces in the Nets on Yes broadcast team. And the man that can rock a turtleneck better than anyone else in the business is Michael Grady. Michael, thanks for giving us your time. How are you doing today?
1: Doing well. Good to be on with you. Appreciate you having me.
0: (laughs) Thank you. The pleasure is all mine. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to, to go back and talk about your 15, 16 years in broadcasting. Um, you started off your career in your hometown of Indianapolis, producing radio shows and doing voiceover work before becoming an executive producer by the time you were 24. You then joined the Indiana Pacers and the in-arena MC and a PA announcer, co-hosted a sports talk show before being, getting your sportscaster position in 2014, as the Pacers made that run to the fi- uh, Eastern Conference Finals. You also do color commentary. You've won a lot of hats in your broadcasting career, <laughs> It says there's seemingly nothing you can't do. Um, Was it always the plan to go into sports broadcasting?
1: You know, it was, I would say from about 16 years old. um, Even before that, you know, there were little seeds planted um, that would kind of shape uh, my future. But I think it all came full circle around my junior year of high school when I realized that this is you know, absolutely what I want to do uh, when I was doing play by play for the, uh, the high school basketball team. So, um, and they made a longer run in the uh, Indiana high school basketball tournament and, um, and just following them along and following that journey and being a part of telling their stories, even though it was on that high school level, uh, it was amazing. And so, so yeah, so I, I, Whatever, whatever it took, you know, I, I, I loved every aspect of uh, sports broadcasting and broadcasting in general. So um, whatever was thrown my way, I was happy to uh, take it on and just see where the journey would take me.
0: And this and and brought you here to the Nets and, and we, we couldn't be any more thankful. Um, <laughs> you once said that Reggie Miller was like Black Panther to you growing up as a Pacers fan. What are some of your earliest basketball memories? Uh, and then what was it like to be able to work with the organization that you grew up loving?
1: Um, you know, I, I wish I, I knew the moment that sparked me. I know my, my family was all into sports. My mom um, was, into, uh, was into sports, basketball, football, tennis, a number of different things. And so that kind of uh, piqued my interest. Um, the first memory I have of basketball was probably eighty nine ninety watching the Detroit Pistons uh, win their two championships. Um, I, the only reason I remember that is because my grandfather got me a Detroit Pistons basketball that said uh, back-to-back world champions on it. And I remember wearing that basketball out. Um, and then it was a few short years later, the Pacers started to come onto the scene and started to make, it a, na- make a name for themselves. And um, what bigger stage to make a name for yourself than against the Knicks and Madison Square Garden. And so seeing what Reggie Miller was able to do uh, on that stage um you know defiantly um you know even at a young age i knew indiana was you know it was small compared to you know new york and how big new york was and how you know massive you know the garden was and what that meant to people you know not just in new york but across the globe like that's that's the garden that's the mecca and so to see reggie miller and the pacers going there and defiantly make plays have these spectacular moments uh, it just gave you a great sense of pride like I could accomplish anything I know it was sports but if Reggie could go into that environment with everybody you know uh, jeering him and hating him and throwing out all type of stuff Spike Lee and all that and for him to go out there and put to have the audacity to have that kind of performance and walk out with the win whether it's the 25.4th quarter or, or the eight points and nine seconds made me feel like I can do anything. Um, going back to the Black Panther comment, in the in the same way that that watching a superhero growing up would, um, making you feel like you can have these, you know, powers. And so um, I just kind of applied that, you know, to my own life. And uh, it was amazing to watch them growing up as a kid. And so yeah, to have the opportunity years later to be asked to do PA and do other things associated with the franchise, um, I, I just can't stress enough how mind-blowing that was for me to grow up cheering them on and then to be asked to be a part of the franchise in in any capacity was uh was uh, an amazing treat for me at that time
0: absolutely yeah it must it must be crazy um (laughs) so in 2017 uh you made the switch to new york is it true that you sort of sorted your first agent or your first representative thanks to an uber driver
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one of my um, sort of my favorite stories. You know, everybody has a different um, story on how they were able to navigate this business and the heights that they were able to uh, get to, or how they met impactful people uh, in their lives. And so um, I went to uh, IUPUI for a short time for uh, school after leaving Vincent's, which was a great broadcasting school. Um, IUPUI is right there in the heart of Indianapolis, and I was going through uh, communication studies. And uh, I can't remember the name of my professor, but he just, you know, took a liking to me and the fact that the way I uh, applied myself and he was aware of what I was doing. Because while I was taking classes, I was also doing stuff on the local radio station at the time. And he just thought it was really cool that, you know, someone he listens to on the radio, even though I was doing small things at that particular time, um, happened to be in his uh, class. And so uh, years later, you know, I'm slowly but surely moving and doing things in Indianapolis. And the final four was in Indy. And uh, and uh, that professor decided to drive for Uber during that Final Four weekend. Surge prices were high, and he figured, I just make some, you know, make some extra cash. And uh, he happened to pick up a guy that he struck up a conversation with, and found out that he was a uh, an agent, you know, for um, and a representative for media personalities. And uh, my professor told him, Hey, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know if he has representation, but you should reach out to a former student of mine. And, um, you know, to uh, to the agent's credit, you know, he did his homework, found stuff of me online, liked what he saw, um, found my email address, sent me an email. And I probably held off for a while because I was, you know, I had radio in Indianapolis. You know, I was, I think I, by that point, I was getting ready to start to do TV in Indianapolis, was a PA announcer. I was home, my whole family's in Indy. Do I really want to agent and and leave this comfort zone I mean I'm from Indianapolis nobody's gonna fire me I, everything has got a cushy gig here um but I, I would say maybe five six months later I reached back out and said hey let's yeah you know, let's have a conversation um flew out to New York to meet him uh and the uh the people at the office and um uh I just I was sold I was sold and uh, his name is Jeff And uh, we signed a contract not long after that. And he was the one that uh, found me the opportunity in Brooklyn, New York with uh, Yes Network, man. And I couldn't be more thankful. And so, yeah, if my uh, professor didn't decide to drive drive for Uber that weekend, if he was not a social person and decided not to spark a conversation in the car, uh, I probably wouldn't be talking to you here today. I would be doing something else, probably still in media, but I don't know that I would be here talking to you about the Brooklyn Nets today
0: that's crazy it's, i think it's, it's it's the measure of a man is what people say about them in sort of when they're not around so i think you've obviously made a great impression of him and that's that's just testament to your character as a person but but taking us into taking us into the nets, uh yet the yes network um you did make the switch um from indie to brooklyn and you've joined the incomparable team at the Nets yes work uh yes network your team is clearly very close and has your reputation as the best in the business What's it been like working with the likes of Iron Eagle, Sarah Kustok, RJ, and Ryan Rucco?
1: Um, well, it sounds corny when we say it all the time, but it really, I mean, it really is a family atmosphere. And I didn't know what to expect when I came to New York, you know, coming from Indiana, you know, Indianapolis, you know, definitely small. And I wouldn't say small town, you know, it's a it's an, a decent sized media market. But compared to a New York or a Los Angeles or even a nearby Chicago, you know, it's it's small. And so it's, you know, you know, a lot of people in the city, kind of small town in New York being so massive, so many different people. And you hear all these stories, you know, they're kind of rude, they're a little edgy, they're a little, you know, whatever it may be. And so I didn't know what to expect um, when coming over, uh, but everybody on the staff has been uh, amazing. And um, they just welcomed me with open arms, not just CS network community, but the Brooklyn community welcomed me with open arms. But doing these broadcasts with Ian, someone who's so open, someone who, has taught me so much and is open to teaching others. It's not some he's not someone who just wants to keep his you know toolkit to himself. Um, but he is amazing at um, offering advice at uh, being encouraging at the same time. And so for a broadcaster who still has you know a lot of aspirations, you know with Yes network and beyond, it's just amazing to be around uh, someone like that who's teaching me uh, so much. And and Ryan is such a you know a bright a bright star already and has been one for uh, a long time and continues to climb and grow. And uh, it's been it's been great um, working with working with him and his energy. And Sarah Kustad quickly became you know a sister and um, she is an amazing amazing broadcaster, an amazing analyst, and um, but an even better person and uh she is a huge huge star in this industry and so uh to be that talented at what she does and then to also be um such an open and uh uh gracious uh individual um she's really the heartbeat of what we do at yes network and rj you know i remember watch i was at a pacers game um pacers playoff game and um uh, the Pacers were playing the Nets, and I remember RJ had this big dunk in the middle of the lane, and I'm just like, oh, man, this dude, and I, I uh, it's, it's crazy, because um, I was there as a, as a fan that day, and to fast forward to today, and to be, you know, colleagues, and um, uh, it's, and, and, and how quickly he's taken to this industry, it was just all, it was always in the cards for him, obviously, uh, but just a great personality, great sense of humor, um, great analysis, Great perspective, given the number of teams that he's been on and the different personalities and star players that he's been able to work with. So he has a great, unique perspective, and is a big part of our team. And uh, beyond that, you know, um, uh, Frank DeGrace is our, you know, uh, amazing, you know, producer. Uh, Dan Barr is our, you know, current director. Uh, Ryan Rutherford, Ian Riley. Um, we have a great number of guys and uh, people in the studio too who do a terrific job as well. So the entire team is is definitely a
0: family. Well, that, that's something that's always really, really fascinated me. And like, I, I'm not, it's, it's a funny thing to say out loud, but like the, the amount of teamwork and the amount of work that has to go into to create in such a slick product on the TV for us fans who can just sit back and, you know, pop open a beer and watch the game. Like it's, it's always something that's fascinated me. So what, what does a typical game day routine look like for you in the, in the broadcast team?
1: Well, I mean, we're, we're, um, even when we're off the clock, we're on the clock, you know, we're always finding little nuggets. We're reading little articles, um, there, uh, the Nets have a, you know, a practice today. And so we'll have conversation with players and, and, uh, Steve Nash after the practice and just trying to get an idea of what this team is all about, um, their identity that they're trying to develop their mindset, um, heading into each and every game over the course. Of this, uh, of this, even though it's a condensed season, it's still a long season. So um, it's just trying to have a better understanding and figure out the stories that you want to tell and how you want to tell them. And that's a day-to-day uh, process. And so, um, so yeah. So on a, on a on a game day, you know, uh, Frank DeGrasse does a great job of sending us little nuggets, storyline storylines uh, story heading into the game. Um, an outline for the broadcast from pregame through uh, post-game. You know, Ian's working on what he needs to work on to get ready for the game. Sarah's doing her thing. If it's Ryan, you know, he's getting himself prepared. I'm thinking about what questions I want to ask um, the coach and the players just before the game and then how things will go in the stories that we may tell during the game. So you may have some stuff prepared and then you just kind of see how the game flows and how you want to insert this nugget that storyline or whatever it may be so yeah our job you know really just you know storytellers and um and being the liaison between these great players and this amazing uh amazing fan base and so that's really the goal each and every each and every night and it's exciting I mean we we have a lot of fun on the broadcast um and uh I love the sense of humor I'm someone who's real lighthearted and um you know, loves to joke. You know, doesn't take things too seriously, and so I, I, just felt like I fit right in with Ian, his sense of humor, Sarah, her sense of humor, Ryan, the same respect, RJ. But in the same way that we can be entertaining, um, we're going to break the game down and do an amazing job with that too. So it's um, work hard, play hard. In my, you know, and my, and when you're prepared, uh, I, I feel like it takes a lot of pressure off, and and we make sure that we come into every game as prepared as we can be.
0: Absolutely. You took took the words right out of my mouth. You're just the, you guys just seem to embody that work hard, play hard. And as long as you know, you know you're confident in the work that you've done, then that means you can kind of show off that that chemistry that you guys clearly have. And if if you could bottle that, then you'd you'd be on to a winner. But um, you touched on it there, like with a with a background in, you know, talk radio and all that kind of longer form um discussion about sports and and everything going around it what what are the challenges that kind of present themselves when you've only got a minute or three questions or something with a with a player or a coach who just come out of the game and and their head's still whirring does that have any kind of unique challenges to it
1: um I, I think you get in a rhythm over time I think it you know um when I started I think the main thing for me is if I just um one thing is preparation, and then if I'm prepared, then I can be, you know, confident. And um, uh, and that, that really goes back to an Arthur Ashe quote that I've kind of kept close to um, close to heart, and I always remind myself of, you know, the the key to success, to self confidence, and the key to self confidence is preparation. And so um, when I first started. I'm, you know, close to all these different personalities, players and things like that. You know, it was D'Angelo Russell at the time when I first got there and I'm as close to a team as I've, as I've ever been, you know, I didn't travel with the Pacers, you know, I was, you know, just working, working home games, doing TV and radio and covering that team. But with the Nets, I'm, you know, I'm on the road, I'm all over the place with these guys. And so, yeah, it can be intimidating but I feel like guys can smell that intimidation. I think guys can smell that fear. And so one thing that I've always tried to psych myself out on is just just to be confident, you know? Um, Even if I don't know what I'm doing, be even. I don't wanna say not, I don't know what I'm doing, but if it's the first time that I've done something, I'm gonna look like it's the thousandth time that I've done it. And that's just a mental mind frame that I I try to have when I step into something. And so, That's really the main thing, make sure that I'm prepared. And then just step in confident and just remind myself that I'm that I'm here for a reason. And so um, could players look at you crazy given a certain question, could they not be ready for a certain question, whatever it may be. Yes, but I try to be, I, I try to be careful with the way that I ask questions. I try to be careful with the way that I frame questions because trust is so important when you're talking about a courtside reporter uh, and his relationship with a player. So I try to be careful with the way that, you know, the questions are framed. Um, I give, definitely give thought into what I want to get out of this interview and what I think the fans care to get out of uh, certain interviews. And so that may be a big picture question and be a small picture question in terms of. Coach, tell me about this, you know, this game and what you're looking for in this game or this particular player, or, um, you know, this guy's been doing this over the course of the past couple of weeks or over the course of the last five games, you know, give me some backstory on this or what's been the focus in practice lately, whatever it may be to help uh, share the story of what's happening with the team um, uh, right now. So, so yeah, there's, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say there's, I wouldn't say pressure is the word. Um, and I, I try to shy away from any sort of, um, language or rhetoric that, uh, may psych, psych me out or go, Oh man, this is a big moment or this is whatever. This is the, you know, um, I just try to take it, you know, game by game, moment by moment, um, treat, you know, Kevin don't, don't get psyched out you know, you're talking to Kevin Durant. I've I've been doing this for, you know, a long time, but I want to get to, I want to get to know. Kevin, because the better I get to know him, the better the fans can get to know Kevin, Kyron, Spencer, Karras, Jarrett, DJ, all those guys.
0: Good stuff. Um, you said this is like the closest you've really been to a team. Um, so you joined the Nets, uh, the Yes Network, after the Nets had that twenty-win season, uh, and now we stand at the precipice of a season with KD, as you mentioned, and Kyrie Irving leading a team who have very, very real championship aspirations. As someone who is so close to the Nets, are you surprised that their fortunes had turned around so quickly?
1: Um, you know, no. I, there was, um, man, I, I grew up like uh, connecting all of the dots here like a big music guy um, and especially with hip hop. And so Biggie and the whole bad boy era, that whole thing. And then it was Jay-Z and just, it was just a huge, you know, Jay-Z guy. And um, those guys were always proud and um, uh, with about their, you know, connection to Brooklyn. And um, I just, I just love the New York, New York sound, love the New York vibe. And when I first visited New York, it felt comfortable as crazy as that may sound because of how much I entrenched myself in the music. And I'm around a lot of people who even in Indiana and in the Midwest who just had this great affinity for you know, New York and, and the, uh, the artists who came out of New York whether it's Nas and Queens or you know, uh, um, DMX or you know, Wu Tang or whatever it may be, just this strong connection to New York even though some of us had never visited <laughs> New York. And so, um, just the way that people up Brooklyn and 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 pop culture and uh, growing up in that, when the team announced that they were moving from New Jersey to Brooklyn, I just I just had a feeling that that was gonna pop. You know, they they needed a they needed a they needed stars for sure. Um, but once you're able to get stars to Brooklyn, and the way the Brooklyn community continues to grow, and just It's just I mean, it's just cool. I mean, that's just there's really no other way to put it. It's just cool. I I figured at some point, at some point, someone would break the mold, join the Nets, really get the ball rolling. Did I ever envision that it would be a guy's the caliber of a Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving? Uh, No, but a return to relevancy? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just the kind of franchise that they have. Sean Marks has been a godsend to navigate through that, you know, that trade with, you know, Chris, uh, excuse me, uh, Paul Pierce and Kevin Durant losing all those draft picks and for him to do what he was able to do, get a system in place uh, where they have a great player development staff giving Kenny Atkinson his credit too with what he was able to do with so many of the guys on the roster, watching Karis LeVert develop Joe Harris, develop Jared Allen, develop um, uh, and set that foundation. Uh, and not only that, I got to give credit to the guys who knew that they wouldn't be here to see the team get to the promised land, but still balled out. Despite that Damari Carroll, Jared Dudley, you know there are guys in that in that ballpark. You know D'Angelo Russell playing a significant uh, significant role as well. Um, you know tr- uh, Trevor Booker, uh, Rondy Hollis Jefferson, given his time. You know there are a number of guys who uh, you know were a part of this, um, and even before that, I can go I can go even before that, but um, that played a big role in setting the foundation for the culture that Kyrie and Kevin found appealing to, uh, to want to join. So, um, so yeah, I I just, I just, I I didn't know it would be to this magnitude again, but I figured eventually uh, Brooklyn being Brooklyn, uh, it would eventually pop
0: yeah that, that sounds so familiar i mean there's you're talking to a guy that's across an ocean and we do a, we do a, we do a weekly podcast about this nets team and and it's exactly the same it's you get you go over and visit and it just feels so familiar because of all the cultural impact that it has so so that's definitely something that i, that I completely completely see where you're coming from um obviously as you touched on KD and kyrie are going to get most of the attention um from uh from the media and from nets fans along with our core cool guys that have been here for a long time, like Karis and Spencer and Joe and Jarrett. Who have you heard uh, that has been impressing in practice that's kind of going under the radar uh, that you think is going to get some attention from NET fans as this season progresses?
1: You know, um, th- that question has been asked a lot and um, nobody has really come up consistently. Um, you know, in past years, everybody was raving about Karis Levert and what they were seeing from him really the past couple of years, people have been raving about Karis. Now it's something that they expect. You know, Spencer is, is something, you know, seeing what we see from Spencer is something you expect. Joe Harris as a utility guy, a Swiss army knife, who can do a little bit of everything. There's an expectation there. Um, uh, Jared Allen, we're looking forward to continuing to see, you know, his growth. So I think there's nobody necessarily that's under the radar. I think as time goes on, guys like Bruce Brown um, uh, may get his uh, opportunities uh, people like what they've seen in a short amount of time from Reggie Perry, even though he is so young. Um, I wish that Nick Claxton um, was not dealing with the knee injury because I feel like he is someone that we would be talking about in that regard. So I'm hoping that he's able to get back to full strength um, very soon. But each of these guys have balled out and a number of guys have said this is the most competitive training camp that they had ever been a part of.
0: Absolutely, yes. But um, uh, yeah, this is, I think... With Nick Claxton, especially, there's been so much hype about how how impressive he's been. Sort of internally, it was going to be great to see him come back, and especially as a sort of position of need um, within the Nets, I think. Um, so, as UK-based uh, basketball fans and Nets fans, we're lucky that our team plays Brooklyn, uh, plays in Brooklyn, and they call the city their home. So, as a holiday destination, there's there's plenty to do. So. In your eyes, if someone had one day or one weekend in Brooklyn, what would you recommend they see to get a feel of the city? What would they do?
1: Uh, I would, I would say, um, I would say have breakfast or brunch. This is in a normal, normal Sorry. environment yeah. post COVID. <laughs> um, uh, but of course, you want to take in a game because um, I, I believe that Barclays Center, uh, even though uh, it's approaching a decade. Um, uh, uh, in, in terms of how long it's been around, uh, I still think it's one of the better arenas in the um, entire NBA. Uh, and so you definitely want to visit Barclays Center. Uh, and I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when fans are allowed back in the building. Um, but uh, Sweet Chick is my favorite, you know, brunch spot, you know, to get some good, good chicken and waffles. That's a great spot to go to, great vibe uh, in there. Um, you've got to go to, you got to go to Dumbo, and uh, soak in and take in the views there. Some really good places to uh, to eat, but on a nice warm day, that's a beautiful spot. Um, Brooklyn Heights is a nice place to go to along the water as well, with more views. And you can get there walking along, uh, walking along Dumbo. Um, you got to get a great pizza slice, and there are a couple of great places right there in uh, the Dumbo area where you could do that too. Um, uh, yeah, make your way to make your be- way to Bed Stuy. Walk through, you know, uh, check out Old stomping grounds of. Uh, you know, Biggie Smalls, we talked about a little bit earlier. There's a, there's, there's there's just a lot. It's just a lot and really just walking around and just people watching, man. There's a, there's a, um, there's a pulse to Brooklyn, um, unlike any other place that I have uh, been that I just uh, absolutely, absolutely adore. And so really just walking around, even if you go to the Atlantic Avenue, Barclays Center area and just kind of walking around uh, there, I think, um, I, I i i you everybody will enjoy it.
0: good stuff I've, I've been once and i need to go back but um yeah so <laughs> uh, yeah i'll get there i'll get there i'll get there um yes, so anyone, you have to. <laughs> anyone that follows you on instagram knows that you're as talented behind the camera as you are in front of it as you're a keen photographer where's the spot you'd recommend in the city that you most like taking photos of best photo opportunity
1: Ooh, um uh the Dumbo area is great. You know, I've done a lot of photo shoots um in that area and some uh some great spots is that famous spot where you um um uh where you it's between a couple of buildings and you see that view of the Manhattan Bridge there. Uh, we use a shot of that in our um Yes Network Intro Montage, uh which is a, a nice famous spot. Uh, but the views, but the views there are uh, amazing of the Brooklyn Bridge and then into Manhattan and getting shots there too. So that's fantastic. There's rooftops around that area to where you can get uh, an even better view. Um, but that's probably from a scenic standpoint, um, a great spot, but you can't go wrong. There's a lot of great, great areas along there. But I would, I would say that area for the views alone will give you, um, will give you some great, great photography material.
0: Nice do it for the gram if nothing else yeah right. <laughs> um so so you grew up a big fan of Ahmad rashad on nba inside stuff mm. saying you'd like to get our players personalities out there beyond just presenting them as basketball players and you know you've taken you've taken Jarrett allen on tours of chinatown sort of talking about getting around the city what have been some of ex- the unexpected interests or talents you've seen from this team away from basketball uh,
1: I, everybody, you know, um, I'd say music is the big thing that a lot of guys are getting into. And I think since quarantine, a lot of guys started taking it a little bit more seriously. And so Torian Prince is a guy that's very serious about his music. Uh, Kevin, uh, Durant divults that he's been, you know, doing music and, and, and tinkering with it for a while. Uh, Kyrie Irving is, you know, showcased some of his music on his, uh, on, uh, IG live, uh, not long ago, um, something that he's messed around with. Um, Folks know, you know, I mean, following Jared Allen since he since he joined the Nets that he's just a a, a big computer nerd can take them apart, put them together um, uh, plays, you know, plays a lot of video games, but also studies I found I found uh, wild. Um, The soundtracks of uh, video games and the mood that the video game tries to put you in through music. Uh, And so he plays uh, like Legend of Zelda and has analyzed the music that they utilize in that game, which is just, I don't know, you know, it's, it's wild. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie with uh, all the stuff that he's into. I mean, he's, he's into a lot of different things, of course, um, a lot of business endeavors and things like that. But uh, but also we're really into cooking and, uh, prides himself as being a big time cook. Karis looks like he's gotten heavy into fashion now. And so he's a whole, he's a whole Instagram real. influencer now. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And his, uh, he was wearing that first game, uh, against golden state was different. So he's, he's, um, he's embraced, he's embraced his artistic side from a fashion standpoint. And I'm all for it. Uh, and then, um, yeah, Joe Harris got the tattoos, you know, of her family, you know, keeping that close to mind, but even his style is kind of. I noticed after that first game he's kind of taking a step in a, in a different direction as far as fashion is concerned and i'm here for that too so yeah I, I love i love tapping into the personalities uh of these guys and getting to know them because again uh that means the, the fan base is getting to know them too so instagram is going to have its place social media is going to have its place to where you can kind of get to know these guys and they can uh um reveal things about themselves in their own voice but i i'll always feel like there, there's there's uh, a going to be a need for a mod rashad on every on every team to um kind of chip away at the layers of these guys a little bit because i know it means a lot to the fan base
0: it it certainly does um michael you've been really really generous uh with your time uh thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on uh bkt uk and having a chat but i thought i'd sneak in one more question and i want to i'm going to ask you to make a prediction for this year is 2021 the year that we see the larry o'brien trophy come to brooklyn
1: Ooh, that is a, that is a really good question. I'm not, I I, I'm going to chicken out and not go that far. (laughs) I will go as far as to say, um, that I believe right now, if this team can stay healthy, I believe right now that the Nets will represent the Eastern conference in the NBA finals, um, beating the the Lakers or even the Clippers or whatever it may be. Um, that would be tough. And um, I I can handicap that when we get to that, when we get to that time. And it may be bold enough to say that the, the nets, you know, in their first year together is going to beat everybody else in the Eastern conference, you know, given how tough, uh, you know, Milwaukee will be, Boston will be um, Philadelphia will be Miami. You can't forget about. So there are some teams that are going to have something to say about this, but um, I feel given the, uh, the, the versatility of this roster, the number of ways in which Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can score. You can't, if you take away one aspect of the game, their game, they can hurt you in another area. And I can't say that about some of the other great players in the Eastern Conference. Um, uh, Jason Tatum is developing the guy to where if you take one thing away, he can hurt you in another way. Um, but Giannis hurts you just going downhill. Um, Philadelphia, Ben Simmons just hurts you going downhill. You force them into being jump shooters. They can't hurt you that way. Um, so if you d- cut off the lane for a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving, they'll just shoot jump shots on you all day. If you crowd them, they'll get by you. Uh, if you do find a way to slow them down somewhat, you still have Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, you still got Joe, you still have a number of guys. So I'm not just saying this as if I'm a homer. I'm saying this because I really believe that this this roster uh, has a lot of weapons on it. Two of the most talented offensive guys in the league. And um, and if they get if they continue to work on that defense... Um, they could, they could very well be holding up the Larry O'Brien trophy uh, come July.
0: That is, it, it ain't bragging if it's true. Do you know what I mean? It's, yes. it's, 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 a, it's a bit of pick your, pick your poison for for the opposing teams. I don't envy them at all. Um, well, if, if you know, if if, you, if Grady thinks that the, uh, the Nets are coming out the East, it's got to happen, right? Um, again, thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining me today, and if you could do me one more favor, just before we go, is if you could just let Josai, Sean Marks, and everyone at the Nets know that 3,000 miles away across the Atlantic, there's a bunch of net fans wishing them a healthy and safe rest of the season, and we're hoping we can travel back in time uh, for that parade up Atlantic Avenue.
1: Oh, we'd love to see it, and I definitely will. And uh, we appreciate you guys, and and um, and it's and it's awesome uh, to see to see uh, the strength of this fan base uh, even overseas, and that's amazing. And hope to see again in the parade. Um, you all have to be here. <laughs> we'd love to see it, my man.
0: It's the date. Thanks very much, Michael.
1: Appreciate
0: you. I'm not going to lie. I'm still buzzing off the fact I was able to grab some time with Grady. So another huge thanks to him for joining us. Please make sure you subscribe to BK UK wherever you're listening to this podcast and spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.